morning. Good morning. Good morning. So there are moments in Scripture, in the Scripture record, that I would have dearly, dearly loved to have been there. Acts 2 is one of those, the day of Pentecost. So just 10 days earlier, the 11 disciples had been with Jesus, and they'd watched as he's been taken up before their very eyes to heaven. Wow. That would have been a good moment to be there too. And two angels then spoke to them. And they then headed back into Jerusalem, and they were rejoicing. They were praising God. They, they, they gathered together, and they worshiped. And they had a focus because Jesus had promised that the long-promised promise of the Father, the Holy Spirit, would be poured out on them very shortly. You will receive power, Jesus said. You will be my witnesses. But wait, wait in Jerusalem until you are clothed with power from on high. Wow. So they did. They waited. And they got down to the hard, committed, joyful work of praying. Because they'd understood from what Jesus had been teaching them that waiting and watching and praying all go together. Uh, he told them many parables that led them to the conclusion they needed to wait and watch and pray. And then, of course, Peter, James, and John had been told to watch and pray in the garden, and they dropped the ball. They knew they needed to be at the work of praying. And with this focus, the Spirit's going to come. They were praying. There were 11 disciples uh, gathered together in an upper room in Jerusalem. I imagine it was probably the same upper room in which they had just previously met with Jesus on the night before he went to the cross, but we don't know. But that's how I envision it. There are the 11 disciples there, and there's a whole bunch of other people with them, 120, we're told. Some women gathered with them and some others. Ever wondered who the others were? I've wondered. I bet you Nicodemus was there and Joseph of Arimathea. They'd just previously been involved with Jesus' death and his burial. I bet they were there. I bet that blind man Bartimaeus who lived in Jer Jericho, been given his sight by Jesus, I bet he was there. And probably that other blind man who was in Jerusalem who had been sitting at the temple gate and been healed by Jesus, I bet he was there. Maybe the woman caught in adultery that Jesus had said, go and sin no more. Perhaps the Samaritan woman had snuck into town and she was there also. Who knows? And what about Zacchaeus? What about the rich young ruler? Do you think he came to faith? Do you think he was part of this group? And certainly Lazarus and Mary and Martha and so many others, the, the, the uh, once dead son of the widow of Nain who had been raised to life and all these different people, 120 of them gathered together in that upper room in Jerusalem. They're all gathered and they are all praying and they're focused on the gift that Jesus has said is going to be poured out on them shortly. And so they were there on that Pentecost morning. Now, Pentecost was an annual festival. They'd all been involved in celebrating Pentecost year after year after year. It was a springtime harvest festival. But this occasion was absolutely memorable, never to be forgotten for all time. And they're gathered together, and they're praying passionately. 
And all of a sudden, they hear this sound like a mighty wind roaring, rushing through the place. And I think at that point, they probably looked up to see what was happening. They saw dancing on each other's heads flames of fire. And then they felt themselves being filled with the very presence of Almighty God Himself by His Spirit. And they couldn't help themselves. They just started speaking out praise to God. And they found themselves speaking in languages they had never learned. They'd never been taught. They'd never gone to school to learn these. But they were speaking by the empowering of the Spirit Himself. And they then spill out into the streets. And all those that were gathered in Jerusalem for this great Pentecost festival and celebration, gathered from all over the world, they heard these uneducated Galilean fishermen, plus some others, speaking in their own mother tongues in perfectly accented tones. What's happening? What's going on? And of course, Peter, you'll remember, is the one that got up and he preached to thousands of people. Without any sound system, he projected his voice and made himself heard and declared the good news of Jesus. Scaredy cat Peter, who less than two months previously had denied up and down, even even knew Jesus when confronted by a little servant girl. Now he's standing in front of thousands of people, all eyes on him as he preaches the good news of Jesus. And he says to the crowd, God sent his son and you killed him, but God raised him from the dead. And we're told that on that day, 3,000 people were cut to their heart, and they said, what must we do to be saved? And Peter told them, repent and believe in the Lord Jesus, be baptized in his name. Some 3,000 were baptized that very day. That would have been a day to be there, amen? Wouldn't that have been amazing? So I've got to tell you, this story does two things for me. The first thing it does is it evokes yearning. Waiting, yearning, praying, longing, anticipating, anticipating more. Because these early believers truly experienced the filling of the Spirit on that moment. It wasn't now just a a gift for the king and for the prophet. It was the gift for all God's people. And they not only experienced it on that day, they experienced it again and again, filling afresh with the Spirit as the Spirit guided them into new acts of ministry. And so this story evokes yearning in me for more of the Holy Spirit's anointing, more of His power filling me right here, right now, right in this moment. I hope it evokes yearning for you also. But the second thing it does is it sparks faith. Because this story actually communicates powerfully that the Spirit is come. He is among all of us who are followers of Jesus. He is our birthright. He has been poured out on all God's people, old, young, male, female, uh, rich, poor, uh, recently converted, uh, long time in the faith, all have received the gift of the Spirit. Poured out on all flesh, yes. And so this story of Pentecost is a powerful, powerful call to faith, to re-engage, to embrace afresh the gift that God has given, to embrace our birthright, to step right into it. So it was Sandy Miller, who was the rector of Holy Trinity Brompton in the heart of London, uh, before Nicky Gumbel was. In fact, he was Nicky's boss. Uh, has this great statement about faith. He says, "Faith is finding 
a promise of God and daring to believe it. I like that. So here's a promise of God. And it evokes yearning. And it's a spark to faith. And so that's where I want to focus this morning. Very quickly, what I want to do is to highlight four things that the Spirit does in us and for us. And I want to invite you to interact with these things. To allow them to evoke yearning in your own heart and to spark faith to grab hold. And at the end, we're going to have opportunity just to pray and to welcome the Lord God by His Spirit to do these things afresh in our hearts. So be listening, for listening for the things the Spirit does in us and for us, and be ready to engage. So are you ready? Okay, thank you. Here's the first thing, presence. The Spirit ministers God's presence. So this is exactly what Jesus had promised on the night before he went to the cross. So this is what he said to his disciples and to us. I will ask the Father and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. The spirit of truth. You know him for he lives in with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. So let me pull out some of the words here and we're going to highlight them. The first one is another. Boom. Up on the screen, there we go. Another, the implication, there are two words in Greek that can be used for another. Uh, the, The implication of this one is that it is another of the very same kind. Same kind as who? Well, same kind as Jesus. This is another of the very same kind. The next word we want to highlight is counselor. This is the Greek word parakletos, para and kletos. Para is alongside. Kletos means to call. Uh, This is one who is called alongside to help. The word is translated uh, in many different ways. It's hard to capture the full richness of its meaning, but uh, different English translations will say counselor, advocate, comforter, or some just simply say friend. Another of the very same kind is Jesus called alongside to help. And then Jesus says, I will not leave you as orphans. Now, an orphan is someone who gets separated from their parents by death. It's uh, not able of repair. Uh, The parent is gone. They're separated. There's an absence. I'm not going to leave you that way, Jesus says. I will come and make my presence known to you. How? Well, by the Spirit. So Jesus here is talking about something that is very tangible and very real. A child knows when they are orphaned and left alone, and they know when their parent is present with them. You can't fool them on that score. There's no substitute. It's got to be real. So I remember back uh, when I was just a little kid in elementary school, and we lived just two blocks over at the corner of 43rd and Adira. Across the street from us uh, was my best friend and my younger brother's best friend, who was the brother of my best friend. And we were over there all the time. They had a much bigger backyard than we did. It was this huge expanse of grass, and over on the side was this little fish pond. And in the back were these huge, tall conifer- coniferous trees. We, we called it the, the back trees. And it was so great. We'd be over there all the time. Uh, This one evening, we were over there, and we were playing British Bulldog. 
So one, one of them, I can't remember, there's a little group of six of us maybe, and one was in the middle and yelled, British Bulldog, and we all went running and tried to get to the other end without being caught. Now the difficulty was, it was a big expanse of grass, but there just happened to be this scrawny, skinny little crabapple tree right in the middle of the backyard. And I connected with it quite profoundly. <laughs> and I can still see the stars. And I think I got a concussion, but what I know is I got incredibly pained and sick to my stomach. And I can remember lying in bed that night uh, just feeling gross and awful and just so, um, well, terrible. And my dad brought a chair in and sat by my bedside up at my head. It's one of my most precious memories of my dad. He was present with me. It made all the difference. And Jesus says, another counselor is going to come. You're not going to be left as orphans. He's going to minister God's presence to you. So we're meant to experience that. This is our birthright. And I know that this is something we don't all experience. And yet the Lord wants us to. And so I hope, if nothing else, the story of Pentecost and the gift of the Spirit and what he's meant to do in our life would evoke a yearning for more of that sense of presence. But would also spark faith to grab hold of the truth that the Spirit who is given gives us the presence of Almighty God himself. And so I want to invite you at the end of the service today to just pray, Lord, I want more of the experience of your presence. And later today and through the week to pray, Lord, thank you for the gift of your spirit. Would you let me know your presence and then sit in his presence and by faith embrace it. Uh, faith is finding a promise of God and daring to believe it. This is a promise of God. So soak in it. Uh, second thing about the Spirit is this, transformation. Transformation, uh, throughout, the whole, throughout the Scriptures, uh, the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Jesus, uh, is called the Holy Spirit. Holiness is His character. Holiness is the atmosphere uh, that he exudes, that it surrounds him. And when we come in contact with him, we are impacted, we are influenced, we are uh, touched by his holiness. And he wills to work holiness in our lives also, to work transformation. So this is a, a, a powerful statement from the Apostle Paul, uh, who experienced the touch of the Spirit and the working of transformation in his own life. And he says, we, who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory, are being transformed. It's a powerful word. It's uh, the word from which we get metamorphosis. It's like the butterfly, the, the caterpillar that goes into the cocoon and then is metamorphosed, transformed into this beautiful butterfly. We are being transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. So the Spirit is here. 
And his purpose is to progressively work transformation in us. And I've got to say, if you're like me, sometimes I get frustrated by how slow the transformation is. Anyone agree? Not about me, but about yourself. (laughs) (laughs) This is meant to be happening, and sometimes we see it, and sometimes we don't see it so clearly. We feel like we've gotten stuck, stuck in sin, stuck in destructive habits, stuck in blindness or our own weakness that bogs us down. Grab hold of this truth, this promise, is the Spirit who is going to work transformation in us. I've got to say, this is one of those things that over the last number of years, I've been praying into my own life. There's a scripture in uh, 1 Thessalonians that says, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely, and may your spirit and soul and body be preserved complete without blame at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Wouldn't that be an amazing thing? And then it says, Faithful is he who calls you, and he also will bring it to pass. How? By the Spirit. And a few years back, I read a story in Christianity Today. It came out in May 2019. You can look it up if you want. Uh, the guy's name was Alan Langham, is Alan Langham. He's a Brit. He was a rugby player. He um, suffered trauma in his youth as he was a little kid. He was sexually abused. He um, experienced at about age 14 his mother tragically, traumatically, suddenly dying in the living room. Uh, He was impacted by it. Uh, He was a rugby player, but he ended up uh, turning uh, into a gangster, basically, a hooligan. He got imprisoned. Uh, In prison, he had already been using soft drugs. In prison, he learned how to use heroin. He got addicted. Uh, He got out. Uh, He managed to break the the hold of the heroin on him, but he ended up back in prison. Uh, At one point, he was on the brink of suicide and wonderfully... uh, amazingly, came to faith in Jesus. He wrote a book called Taming of a Villain. This is what he said in the interview in Christianity Today. He said, being a Christian and turning away from drinking drugs and sleeping around has not been easy. At first, I was on fire for Christ, and my zeal would outrun my better judgment. I would strike up conversations with complete strangers and probably put them off forever. (laughs) I would go to pubs to tell people about Jesus and, still enslaved to old habits, end up drinking to excess. On one occasion, I found myself in bed with a woman after trying to share the gospel with her. I needed serious refining. But God, in his patience, kept using this broken vessel for his purposes. The refining process has been long and hard, but bit by bit, echoes of 2 Corinthians, bit by bit, it's polishing me into a trophy of God's grace. By the Spirit, we're being transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. This is always our need. But sometimes we're more aware of it than others. And if you're aware of that in your own circumstance at the moment, grab hold of this truth. The Spirit is your birthright.
It's what the Spirit who is given delights to do. Here's the third one. Witness. Jesus, uh, before he ascended, so after resurrection, after he'd been appearing to his disciples, right before he uh, ascended to heaven, he said this, Acts 1 verse 8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So I think for me, um, this used to be one of those things I really wished was not part of the package of receiving the Spirit. Because I've got to say, and I don't know if you can identify, but the term evangelism actually scared me to death. I envisioned um, having to uh, go and stand on street corners or strike up awkward conversations at bus stops with complete strangers. And that didn't appeal. But then I realized, probably what you've realized already, is that evangel, of evangelism, evangel literally means good news. So the Greek word is euangelion. Angelion, you can hear our English word angel in it. An angel is a messenger. Angelion is the message. And you, E-U, is a prefix that means good. Uh, We get it in our word eulogy. It's a good word spoken about someone. Euangelion is literally, simply, good news. Well, how good is that? And then I saw the the results in the lives of people who didn't know Jesus but came to know him and had new hope and transformation beginning in their lives. And I actually started to yearn for this, to yearn for the empowering of the Spirit to engage in good news giving in an effective way that would actually bring people to to connect with good news and to step into the kingdom and to step into relationship with Jesus. Now, I didn't then, and I don't now feel very good at it. I feel out of my depth, but I think that's the point, isn't it? It's not about us, it's about the Spirit. And if good news is to envelop someone, it's got to be by the working of the Spirit. It's reliance on the Spirit. We need the empowering of the Spirit. But it's one of the joyful results of the gift of the Spirit. And the fact is, we don't, it doesn't have to be individualistic. You know, it's as if each of us needed to become a mini Billy Graham somehow. No, the Spirit is actually... Yes, poured out on us individually, but he is poured out on us corporately. We are constituted as the body of Christ. And the empowering for witness comes to us as a gathered community. We're in it together. We've got different gifts, different strengths given by the Spirit, but we're all engaged in this ministry, yearning in our hearts for the witness to Jesus to be empowered in us and through us by the gift of the Spirit. So I, some of you will know this story very well, but I think my most joyous experience of all of this reality came here at Granville uh, years back. It was in the year 1998, and we had just started running Alpha here for the first time in that previous spring. And in the fall, we got launched as a congregation into what I've always thought of as a practicum of faith. 
It started with a prayer that I prayed, Lord, please help me to understand faith. Launch me into a practicum. And then I was preparing to preach from this, well, the pulpit that used to be here on a Sunday morning, and it was a passage that had to do with the good news. And I realized there was no point in preaching it unless I preached it evangelistically. And there was no point in doing that unless I actually hoped and believed that someone might come to faith. And then I realized, okay, here's the practicum. And so as we gathered before the service and prayed in the side room, the risk for me of faith was to tell the others that I was praying that someone would come to faith that morning. And I preached and gave the invitation and no one responded that I saw. We had a second service and I preached and gave the invitation and no one responded that I saw. But I kept praying and trusting Brothers and sisters praying and trusting. Sunday went by, Monday went by, Tuesday came, and we had Alf in the side room. And as I was going up to get my meal, uh, Dave Ballantyne came up beside me and he said, just want you to know that my niece on the way home from church, 12-year-old, said to her mom, I asked God into my life this morning. I got to tell you, it had nothing to do with my preaching. She was upstairs in Sunday school. (laughs) But the Lord answered our prayer, and it launched us into a season of praying week by week by week. Lord, would you bring one person through the people and ministries of Granville? And it was a remarkable time because I kept my journal, and I kept writing in the names of people that I knew. And the next week, I don't think there was anybody that I was aware of. Two weeks later, a young woman came up to me after the service and wanted to know how to come to faith in Christ. It was not happening in that season previous, but we were praying as a congregation for more. And over the space of about a year and a half, I wrote down the names of about 85 people that came to faith through Jesus. Now, I've got to tell you, one chunk of those was about 35 kids at our youth group that all raised their hand and said they were giving their life to Jesus on that one night. It was absolutely an amazing, wonderful time. It was the work of the Spirit. He wants to work this in our lives in an ongoing way. It's His empowering. And on the day of Pentecost, there were some 3,000 names that got written in the Book of Life. So it evokes in me a yearning for more and faith that the Spirit will do it in us now. Fourth thing, direction. Acts 16, Paul is on missionary journey, Silas alongside him and some others. Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. When they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. And then there was a dream that directed them. It was the Spirit calling them where to go next. It's the Spirit's role and purpose to give direction in the midst of ministry. So we see the same thing, very same thing, in the kickoff of Paul's missionary experience. There were five uh, leaders in the church in Antioch. We're told that they were uh, teachers and prophets. And here's what happened. 
while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. Now, presumably the Spirit spoke a prophetic word through one of the prophets that was there, but we don't know. We don't get that detail. But somehow they knew that this was, in fact, the Spirit's direction. It was an insight from God that rang true, that went beyond what they would have expected. Who would have thought to send two of their very best leaders off on a missionary journey? They knew it was the word from the Lord. They knew it was the word from the Spirit. And it is the Spirit's purpose and joy and delight to give direction in the midst of ministry. Does Granville need direction right now? I heard Vivian pray for it this morning. I know you do. Lord, what do you have in mind for us? Vision and values, are these the ones? You've been leading, you've been guiding, please confirm. What, who, who is to be the next lead pastor? Vivian prayed. That person is already in God's mind. Show us. It's the gifting of the Spirit. How about you personally? Lord, where do you want me? How do you want to use me? I'm at this crossroads. I've got this decision to make. Lord, Holy Spirit, please give me wisdom. I'm listening to your word, to your promptings, to the wise counsel of those around me. We need his direction. Paul needed his direction. The Spirit gave it. So will you yearn? And will you engage faith? Will you take the promise of God and dare to believe it? So the day of Pentecost, it's a milestone. It is an event in which we ourselves are absolutely caught up. The Spirit is poured out. Presence. He ministers God's presence to us. Transformation. He's wanting to work sanctification in us to make us more and more and more like Jesus. Witness. He's wanting to empower us so that more people can hear the good news and come to faith in Jesus. Direction. Guidance beyond what we could experience on our own for life and for ministry. And this story, if we truly grab hold of it, is meant to evoke yearning for all of that and faith to grab hold. So what are you yearning for? What is the Lord prompting you to lay hold of in faith? Of course, there are so many other things that the Spirit does in our lives. He gives gifts. He leads us into truth, opening up his word for us in a way that we could not have on our own. He brings healing. But are you yearning and needing to grab hold in faith of presence, transformation, witness, direction? For the young, for the old, for the male, for the female, for the servants, for the non-servants, for those that have been in faith for a brief, brief time and those who have been in faith for years. Pentecost is a milestone for all of us. So don't miss the yearning and don't miss the faith. Let's pray together.
And I want to invite you actually to stand, if you would, uh, just because it engages us more in the activity that we're going to uh, take part in. And what I want to do, I want to invite the worship team to come and be ready to lead us in worship. Uh, I want to give you just a couple of minutes to stand in the Lord's presence quietly and just speak to him. Thank him for the gift of his spirit. Thank him for some of the things that the spirit does in us and through us. And if you're yearning and if you need to have faith, then speak to him about it. I want more of your presence. I need your transformation. I want you to use me as an effective witness. I need your direction. So let's pray. You just close your eyes, and you may choose to put your hands out in front of you as just symbol of saying, Lord, I'm wanting to receive more of you. And so, dear Lord, we thank you for your love, sending the rescuer, the Lord Jesus, who is God with us to save us, and thank you for the abiding gift of your spirit who is given as the birthright in Jesus. And we pray for more of his filling and fullness in our lives. In Jesus' name. So, dear gracious Lord, hear our prayers. Stir up the yearning. Strengthen the faith. For Jesus' glory and the power of the Spirit. We're going to enter now into some time of just worshiping the Lord. So I'd invite you just to linger in his presence. And there's going to be folk at the front and in the fireside room ready to pray. How good to have a brother or sister engage with you in the prayers you've already been praying. So come, don't hold back. Uh, if somebody's already filled up the prayer slot, just wait. You can come and sit in the front row and be next in line. Uh, take the opportunity to allow the Lord to work fresh in your life. For Jesus' glory. <laughs> 